Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome to Digital Voices. We are going to be talking all about digital leadership, of course, but maybe with a little bit of audit and compliance point of view. So it'd be kind of interesting dialogue. And before we get started, Megan, our producer, everyone wants to know because we never asked you what's on your playlist. Oh boy. I listen to all kinds of different music. Um, and so does my son who is four, almost four. Um, so my, my playlist right now ranges everything from widespread panic, grateful dead to Lizzo to hit the road, Jack, by Ray Charles, which is my son's favorite song right now. He he asked me to play Let's Go Man. That's his version of Hit the Road Jack. <laughs> but yeah, I love all kinds of music. Yeah, that's very eclectic taste that you have there. So yeah, that's really cool. We'll have to start making some of our buffer music, the intro and the exit so representative of so-called playlist. <laughs> so my friend, Randy Langendorfer, is joined us today. So, hey, Randy, how are you? Hi, Ed. It's great to see you again. Thanks for the opportunity to be on your show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So, Randy, you and I go way back. And for our listeners, you know, Randy's everything. He's a longtime executive. He's an investor, board member, you know, the audit, a lot of audit experience, which we'll hear about, and also a real estate investor and so we're going to cover all those things in the next uh, 25 minutes. So it'll be a lot of fun. So Randy and I have known each other. Geez, Randy, it could have been 1999. Oh, at least. Um, yeah. So, well, that's when I showed up at university hospitals in Cleveland. And of course, my best friends always are, are those in on it. But what was really interesting, and we'll get into it later, but, you know, is uh, the the intersection of IT and audit and cybersecurity. So uh, we'll talk about it in a second. But first, we also want to know what's on your playlist. Well, I was really glad to hear what Megan said because um, I would say that if you looked at my playlist, you may think I'm schizophrenic. I have uh, two two distinct person, or at least two distinct personalities. So I, you know, I was thinking there's there's a lot of good old stuff on there. Uh, you know, Bob Seeger and stuff from that age. Uh, Aerosmith, uh, big Billy Joel fan. Neil Diamond. And then on the contemporary side, I, I listen to a lot of contemporary Christian music. So I've got Mercy Me and some old Point of Grace on there and uh, just lots of different ones. Michael W. Smith, Toby, Toby Mack. So it's it's uh, an eclectic list myself. Yeah, no, that that sounds that sounds good, too. It's, it'd be fun to have all of our guests trade, you know, playlist someday and put it up in a library and uh, you get to hear a lot of varied music. Kind of fun. What about is a life message. Do you have like a life message or motto that sort of keeps you grounded, sort of keeps you focused? You no, know, Ed, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. I was thinking back to when I first got to know you and you were talking about you used to set up family and personal goals and you'd have quarterly and monthly reporting cycles. Uh, and I was, I was envious, but uh, I guess my motto or my, my creed is uh, these days is I simply want to provide value to others, help them uh, in their journey. And uh, I want to finish the race strong. So um, I'm probably older than you are by a few, but uh, I want to finish the race strong. And that really just means 
family first, right? Helping my, my wife and my kids. They're transitioning or have transitioned to adulthood and uh, that. Uh, I, I still like, uh, I'm at the season of my professional career where I just like seeing others flourish uh, and, their, and their growth and their development. And then uh, we talked a little bit on, on the real estate side. I am a coach and one of the, the major uh, organizations uh, for new students coming along. And I really, I really enjoy that too. So it, it's continuous learning, but also giving back because um, that's just who we're supposed to be as leaders. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah, let, let's learn a little bit more about you, Randy. You can start back as far as you want, but you, you shared a little bit on the personal and professional side. But tell us about your journey, how you got to where you are today. Well, my wife always scolds me when she hears these podcasts to say, you need to talk about your family versus your professional life. So uh, I'll start with the good stuff. I'm a husband, uh, a husband, a father, a grandfather. I've got uh, four children three adult daughters, uh, a 20-year-old son that's that's with us still today. Uh, daughters are spread around from Seattle to Denver to Cleveland, Ohio, and five grandkids along the way. So we're going on a little vacay next weekend to meet up with those uh, little ones and have going to have a ball doing that. And on the, on the professional side, yeah, you and I got to know each other when uh, Ed was an emerging leader uh, versus uh, today when you're a full-fledged uh, thought thought leader and everything else, but we met at university hospitals. So I got started in the uh, audit and compliance uh, realm. Uh, and then to fast forward, I was in healthcare. I got out of healthcare. I went into uh, private equity for five years and was doing that for uh, a Carlisle based company. And then got recently, I, so recently I sit as the, the vice president of compliance audit and IT security uh, for a large academic medical institution in Houston, Texas. So I'm in Houston, Texas today. And a board member, I guess, as you said, and I forgot about that, a board member uh, for an institution back in Ohio with Ed, and we've reacquainted our friendship. And uh, also I spend a lot of time in my spare time these days doing uh, real estate uh, development work. Yeah, that, it was so exciting for me when I was uh, being recruited to Summa Health System, who Cliff, uh, the Dr. Cliff, was a guest of ours also on this show and talking about digital transformation, but it's so great to get reconnected with you after so many years of serving together and learning from you. And so, yeah, it's, this is going to be a great chat, but you know, one thing that probably a lot of people don't realize is cybersecurity and many organizations started out in audit, right? Cause it was such a new thing. Think about that 1999. And I recall you and I having very cordial meetings about Who's going to own cyber? And I don't think any one of us wanted it. Uh, and I felt bad for Alan, you know, who was the CISO, you know, because we all liked him as a person, but none of us really wanted it. We knew the the enormous importance of it. And, you know, I was sort of happy to have it sit in audit. And you probably <laughs> wanted to get it over to IT. Do you, do you remember those days? Uh, I, I have not as good a recollection as you do, but I do remember them. And I do remember some of those great conversations, and I would call them more on a friendship basis than a professional basis. We met more of an accountability partner more than anything. Yeah. But uh, on the on the audit side, uh, yeah, it, it did start out. Cyber did start out, at least in our organization. Then UH uh, was there, and we were trying to figure it out, desperately trying to figure it out. And obviously, the world was much different then, and much safer then. Uh, than it is today, and you don't you didn't have the state actors and yeah. all the other threat vectors we have today. Uh, yeah, and I 
I certainly didn't know enough about it then to be leading it. Uh, but such is the way with many uh, opportunities you get in life, you, you just get thrown in head first. Yep. And, uh, you know, fast forward, I think today, fast forward to today, I, I still have it today. So I think you see a couple different models. Interesting. Okay. I see you see where the CISO will report to the C, CIO or the, the, you know, the head of IT security. And then in my current organization, I, I have cyber today. We have the CISO reports to me, but we, we divide it between IT and we divide it between uh, what I call audit compliance governance areas, the, the governance areas. So we have the perimeter, we have uh, the external perimeter, we have forensics, we have all of the uh, policy and procedure, education, uh, trying to find out where we're having PHI and PI. Yeah. Uh, we're scanning all the, uh, the nodes uh, frequently and reporting out on those. And then IT has the internal, they have all the servers, the applications and the networks uh, development. So. That, I, I tend to think that's a best-in-practice model. Yeah. Uh, some would say uh, the CIO, just like in my, back in the day, the chief audit exec shouldn't report to the CFO or chief compliance officer shouldn't report to the general counsel and probably the CISO uh, could report differently for independence. So that at, least there's, yeah. at least there's the parents that uh, the hen's not, I mean, the fox isn't watching the hen house. Yeah, no, that, that, and, yeah, of course, for sure. You definitely want that sort of that... Uh, dual approach. Uh, that's always the best. You know, you kind of alluded to this already, Randy, but how has audit changed in the digital era? Well, it's, yeah, it's, so I've been um, chief audit exec for, for a number of years in a couple of different organizations. I said in the for-profit arena and the non-profit arena. And yeah, it certainly has. But I think like everybody, Ed, it's, it's all about big data today. It's all about data extraction tools and running analytics doing less formal audits uh, where you're, you know, publishing a report, but more value add. You're hopefully trying to find value add data analytics that you're running frequently and providing it back to the business process owners so that they can hopefully make change. You know, uh, a simple one is we're just on a meeting this morning. We're uh, implementing S4 HANA in our organization today and trying to drill down on some of those. How do we begin to really report on Sensitive, uh, sensitive access and segregation of duties, uh, an old topic, but, you know, it reinvents its ugly yeah. head uh, in the contemporary world. And it's all, it's all, things are old, but uh, things are new, but they're old, I should say. And, and so it's really has transformed. It's more about, it's much more about data, big data. And uh, it's much more collaborative than I think it was back in the day. I think we've always tried to be collaborative, but even more so today because, no one party's got all the answers, as you know. Yeah, no, it's interesting, you know, because we often on the, on our podcast talk about digital transformation, sort of where things are, where we're headed, and we never think about it from kind of the way the audit might look about it. So your your insights are keen. Hey, shifting to leadership a, a little bit, and you know, you mentioned something it was kind of interesting. You know, you and I did form this uh, relationship. Not only did we have a good professional relationship, but we developed a personal relationship, and just. Uh, keeping each other accountable. That's something that we've not really tackled on the show. And maybe someday uh, we'll go a little bit uh, deeper, but you know, I think it falls under the realm of leadership is in similar to the, oh, yeah. to the bifurcation of uh, responsibilities, you know, Fox guarding the hen hound hen house type thing is by having someone, uh, you know, that's willing to get in your face, you know, and 
hey, don't be straying from what you said was important to you because, you know, you want to keep your eye on the prize type of thing. So um, that's a pretty interesting uh, yeah. concept. Yeah. Do you, do you recall much about, about that? Oh, I remember a lot about that. I would say that uh, specifically some of those early morning hours we would have coffee. In those days, I was eating a lot more donuts. <laughs> but uh, that accountability as a, as forgive me, as a, as a professional, as a man, yeah. and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in your face, but it's what, what challenges are you facing? What do you uh, need to help with? How, how can I help you on that? And, you know, you were, you were a great friend and a great helper to me in that. And I've, uh, since uh, we've lost track for, like we said, in the late nineties after whenever we both left, but, uh, I've seen you a lot on, on LinkedIn and the other tools, but, uh, I've tried to replace you with other men in my life specifically. Uh, and always to have that, that warrior come alongside of that, you know, it's just, it's a true friend. I don't know what you want to call it. It's, it's certainly an aspect of leadership though, because everybody's got to be accountable. Yeah. And the people that work with you or for you oftentimes aren't going to tell you the real, right. Uh, pain points or your blind spots, right? Yeah. And, and we all have blind spots that and by the nature of a blind spot, we don't see them. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. It's important. It's, it's part of being a leader. I think to have someone like that in your life and can help, help do that. So speaking of leadership, just another question on that. Cause a lot of people always wonder, you know, from a senior exec, you know, you've been in the game quite some time and obviously you're doing well. How do you evolve? Uh, you know, have you rested on your laurels or have, what have you done to keep sort of evolving yourself to making sure that, you know, you're the best leader you can be? Got any other challenging questions? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think, you know, my, my first reaction with that is what somebody told me a long time ago, right? It's, it's uh, when you're done learning, you're done, period. And so we're all, we're all still learning. I may have more, um, more gray hair or more years under my belt, but I think that learning curve and it's really just a desire to learn, to keep that thirst for knowledge, be it professional, be it personal, yeah. uh, leadership growth. Um, I think a lot of it is just thirst. <laughs> and then, and then I had a good friend to quote, the quote was, is, uh, high energy, low IQ. <laughs> So having a high energy level still and still wanting to still wanting to learn and still loving to still loving to compete, uh, be it uh, not negatively, but I, I love to compete being in athletics or in business or uh, and so you, you don't you don't lose those things when as you age. And, and then it's just, you know, I try to fill I, I was in the car today and and the last I, I try to listen to a podcast. I'm either listening to real estate podcast or leadership podcast these days. Um, and maybe some some good preachers I know along the way, but the, the just continuing to put that stuff into my mind versus uh, the rap music and some of the stuff my son will put in his mind <laughs> that aren't positive. So yeah, speaking of uh, real estate, it's kind of interesting. So uh, you obviously you know are have diversified your interests and and learning in a lot of different areas. So uh, you, you, I don't know, did you stumble into real estate or was it intentional? Tell us about sort of this journey, you know, because oftentimes, you know, we can get sort of stuck just in one 
area and we you know, over focus, you know, on our in, in a particular role, but you've sort of diversified, which I think probably helps you in your in, in all aspects of your actual career. So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I would say that it was very intentional. Um, uh, it was very intentional. I started, I would say, um, when I when I was still in Cleveland, when just after you and I parted when you came to Dallas before me. But um, I had a brother-in-law that was a senior exec at what you remember as National City Bank, now Pittsburgh National Bank. Yeah. And he, he was a guy I just admired very much. He was an MBA uh, JD, and he had gotten displaced, and he had gone to, you may have ever heard of him, Armando Monteleglo's flipping school out in California, and he came back and he said, I want you to partner with me, and we're going to start flipping houses. I said, you're nuts. Um, and so over time, though, I, I warmed up to the model, and we connected with a group out of South Florida, still living in Cleveland, and we became what's called hard money lenders. We lent all the money for them to buy the house and make repairs. And that was enjoyable, and we made some some good returns on it. And I came to Houston for business as my private equity gig was was winding down, and I got really excited because it was the fourth. It's the fourth largest metro area in the U.S. I figured there had to be a lot of um, opportunities for real estate, and so I got into uh, doing a couple flips down here. And then then I learned about uh, multifamily, which multifamily apartment buildings, large apartment buildings, multi-million dollar, hundred plus doors. And I learned about syndication, where you're putting syndications of investors together to to buy these assets. And I learned uh, I've been I've spent tens of thousands of dollars of my own education, and have a considerable part of my uh, net worth wound up today in, in multiple different assets. And it's something that I find very intellectually challenging, and uh, and it can be financially rewarding. And I think the Back to that giving value, I think there's a lot of guys, you're my age, your age, your age or my age, that uh, too many people look at the stock market. And I think value of hard assets, such as real estate, uh, is a great diversification that people should have in their portfolio. Uh, maybe not as much as I have, but everybody should have something. That you get you get cash flow, you get tax preference, and you, and you get forced appreciation on the back end. So everybody needs a place to live. You may not always need the newest app uh, coming out, but uh, so that's why I, I really uh, fell in love with real estate, and it's something I can do for a long time. So uh, you've got me started on on real estate and leadership. I can come back and talk for an hour on both of them. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, what about the digital aspect of real estate? Is there a lot of? Uh, is it still sort of uh, sort of manual, like it might have been twenty years ago, or has the real estate you know sort of market and and those aspects, you know, of investing, you know, is there a digital uh, accelerator going on? There sure is, just as you would imagine. Uh, there sure is, just as you'd imagine with, as we see in most industries today. But I mentioned I got started in, in 2013, 14. And I don't recall, uh, as I was learning the multifamily syndication world, any real applications out there. And so today you start out with, um, it's all, for, for what I do, my sole job today is to find assets to acquire and to attract investors that may want to invest in them with me. And so the way you do that is, uh, you know, some, some old tools like uh, just mass email campaigns like ActiveCampaign and MailChimp have been around, but uh, teaching those to uh, a guy like me is, has been uh, a challenge, but they're, they're also very fun and, and they're just extremely productive. And then also when you get into actually 
the asset when you own one. There's these large tools that are the market is merging with many vendors trying to identify um, what's called investor portals. So you as an investor in my property, when everything you go into this investor portal and you get everything you need, you get your monthly statements, financials, you get your distributions, you see your K-1s. And that's just becoming a, a that's just exploded in the last three, four years. And I, I assume it's going to be ripe for consolidation in another three or four years. But um, there's and the, the whole industry that I'm doing is just very fragmented. So there's a ton of different providers. Or so. And so there's these tools are emerging very rapidly and changing. Uh, and I've gotten connected with a group out of um, Detroit. Invest Next is the, uh, is the company. And you would know Dan Gilbert is their backer, and he is a, a big guy out of Detroit area, uh, owns Quicken Loans, and he is committed to this company. And so I've been kind of, I'm a user and also kind of a, I'd say an advisor and trying to get them to bring up functionality requirements that I've seen in other tools and other areas. And so it's it's uh, it's kicks and giggles. So I'm, I'm really enjoying yeah. it. That's cool. Is there anything that you've seen, uh, you know, in that area of digital and real estate that actually could be brought over to uh, healthcare? I mean, are they, is real estate more advanced, do you think, in digital than healthcare? Is there anything that could come back the other direction? I, 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 I would say that healthcare is much more uh, mature digitally, digital than, than, than real estate, at least, at least for the, small, the boutique players such as myself. There may be large institutional real estate companies that have a, but you know, uh, the, the thing that's come over like a CRM customer relationship management tool, you know, Salesforce is kind of the, 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 the behemoth out there in that, but there are several smaller ones that have developed that have functionality developed specifically for the real estate space. That's the crossover. It may not be healthcare, but it's certainly digital crossover and where those tools and managing vendor relationships uh, and that investor portals I've said is, is key, but, I think healthcare is out in front of the, the real estate world. Let me say that just because of the nature of the clientele we deal with. Oh, that's good. That's one uh, industry vertical. Cause you know, I'm, I'm always uh, talking about how healthcare we're so far behind many other verticals and there's not too many that are behind healthcare. Uh, but I know just through simple transactions, like buying a home, it's still pretty old school and it would be, oh, yeah. I don't think it would take a lot to really, uh, really disrupt that whole process, you know, of, using a real estate broker. And I know there's already ways around it, uh, but they're not that popular yet. But, um, you know, the traditional way of buying a home is still the same, largely still the same way it's been probably for 50 years. So uh, I think there's definitely opportunity. Well, that's coming. Uh, the single family space, uh, you know, there's a lot more virtual tours, tours and things like that, that COVID has escalated that you used to see a lot of uh, just face-to-face -face tours of properties. And so you have Obviously, uh, a segment of the generate of the population out there that's very interested in that and wants to sit behind the terminal and look at properties versus going out and actually seeing them face to face. Uh, that's a big one. But you're you're right. The the closing process, especially, uh, is still extremely paper oriented, and uh, there are a lot of people I think trying to figure that out, Ed. Uh, but you're right. I don't think anybody's crossed the hurdle yet. At least not that I'm aware of. Yeah. So, Randy, I don't know that anyone realized as we've been talking, but the time goes by really fast. I wanted to leave a couple minutes for you. You know, we talked about everything from 
audit, cybersecurity, where that fits with audit and IT. And we talked about uh, leadership and how to sharpen the saw. And then we talked about how as, as you've moved f- further along in your career, sort of diversified and you looked at, for you, it's real estate. And then we talked about digital transformation in real estate and portability to healthcare. Um, is there anything that we talked about that you want to double down on? Or is there a topic we, we didn't hit uh, that we should end on? Um, wow. I think I doubled down on uh, a lot of them. I think um, for me, I, I would double down on the, the relationship side of it, which I think starts with leadership. And, uh, you know, I, again, I could, you and I could talk. I know we did in the past and we could talk more for an hour just on that topic alone. And, you know, what it is, what do we mean by leadership? I think it's a very misused word and so you have to start with what do you mean by that but doubling down on on relationships specifically family kids uh what how can you be a leader if you can't uh, lead your family or, or or your spouse and that doesn't mean in an authoritative way but in a loving way and then um just doubling down on on for me uh i'm, I'm hoping to do a whole lot more of real estate transactions in the future as well so it's uh it's a good season of life I'm yeah. Enjoying it. yeah. No, that it's, it's a really good perspective. Randy's not talked about it very much, but you know, you, you brought it up in terms of, you know, the other things that are important. Yeah, it's great. I've got this title. I'm the head of audit. I'm the head of it. I'm the head of digital or whatever, but you want those other foundations in place. And, you know, you talked a lot about your family and, and leading in your family and, and uh, things of that nature and outside of work and family and in your community um, so that, that's really important. And I, and I like too how we touched on, like I said, I could do a whole podcast on this, but talking about that one aspect of leadership that's not talked about very often, that's sort of that accountability thing. And yeah, we had a great, we met regularly, uh, had great cadence in our meetings and, uh, it was really helpful. And it's just kind of like peer mentoring almost. Um, but it's always good when you've got someone who, you know, you're going to have to, to be straight with and, and, uh, and uh, have those kind of critical conversations. So I really appreciated that about our friendship uh, there in Cleveland. I think it was probably eight years uh, that we, that we had this sort of uh, friendship. And uh, so it was really good and very, very formative to my development as a leader and who I am today. So thank you so much for uh, doing that in my life. And thank you for being a guest on our podcast. It's been my pleasure, Ed. It's great to reconnect. And Megan, thanks for your time, too. All right. And if nothing else, uh, we also heard some great playlist playlists um, <laughs> from both Megan and Randy. So, hey, that wraps it up for us on this edition. And we look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.